Relationships rule. That's my motto. I'm Janice Porter, and I love to share the power of relationship marketing to help grow and impact business. I've grown my business by building and nurturing relationships, and I'd like to help you do the same. Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast, where connection means everything. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. Uh, my guest today is coming to us from Toronto, and I'm really excited to talk to her. Her name is Vanessa Udelman, and Vanessa has is the author of the book Mastering Leadership, What It Takes to Lead in Today's Fast-Paced World About Leadership, and she has also led her own team. So there's going to be some interesting conversation around that. She's the president of Mosaic People Development and for over 20 years has been helping clients to develop leaders who inspire great results. She's a speaker, a facilitator, a leadership consultant, and a certified executive coach and so much more. So welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thank you, Janice. Great to be here. Um, you, that It's great. Um, I want to start with the fact that um, you were uh, in the trenches yourself. You have gone through that leadership, climb the ladder type thing yourself. And so in um, uh, in doing that, there's so many things in there. Like, first of all, how much has it changed since you were doing that? Work has changed a lot. And there's And the second question, which I know it's going to take a bit, so we'll just right? Can you share a personal leadership challenge that you faced and how you overcame it? Okay. I'm going to start with the challenge and then I'm going to go into the change part. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Leadership is really challenging. It's not for the faint of heart and um, it takes a lot of courage to be a leader. And that's why I really encourage leaders to get help, get a coach, find a mentor, get training. Because the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that when you go to university, when you go to college and you learn a certain skill or you become an engineer, or you become a, a marketing expert, whatever it is, um, an architect, that's what you learn in school. And then you get promoted because you're good at that job. But doing when you get promoted into leadership for the first time, it's a completely different job. And most people don't realize that. Right. And so right. they find challenging or they feel like they lack confidence and that's normal because it's it's a completely different job. And so for me one of my challenges was working with people whose work style was different than mine. So I'm a very fast-paced, action-oriented, outgoing extrovert. Um I'm I'm strategic. I like to move very quickly. I make decisions very quickly. Um, and I love to see things happen, right? And for all of us, our strengths, when we overuse them, actually become our weaknesses, right? And so for me, as someone who's very fast-paced and action-oriented, I really was challenged by people on my team who, and I'm thinking of one person in particular, she was so challenging for me, Janice, because she required time to process. She's very analytical. As a leader, she required a lot of detail from me. And to be really honest, I found that incredibly frustrating. For sure. She was like the complete opposite of you. So I can understand that totally. Polar opposite. She and she hated my work style. She hated my leadership style. <laughs> so for the first time in my career, everybody loved my leadership style. 
I'm because I'm so caring and I, and I, I just give everything to what I do and to my team. And she hated my leadership style. She pushed back all the time. She told me she didn't appreciate many things that I did, but from her, I learned the most. Of course. Yeah. Learned to slow down. I learned to write everything down for her. I learned to have agendas. I learned so much that has been so helpful. So she was really the most challenging person I've ever led and the person I learned the most from. Totally makes sense. And and we, I don't think we know it at the time, especially yeah. younger, much younger, that um, that these people are meant to, you know, to challenge us and to teach us something. It's funny, you know, it's not funny. It wasn't funny last night, but my little granddaughter was here and she is four and she is hyper, hyper, hyper. Okay. I can't, I can't, don't know what tonight's going to bring when she has Halloween candy in her, but she didn't have a nap at school yesterday. And I picked her up from school and she was fine in the car. We had this great conversation going home and then we got home and we finished carving a pumpkin. And then all of a sudden, she was like wild and she was running in the, around the house, jumped, went upstairs, was opening everything, was, couldn't, wouldn't listen to a thing. We finally, after dinner, took her home. Like we couldn't cope with her anymore. She was unbelievable. But she's meant to teach us something, this child. She's come here for a reason. I mean, she is so, because this is what happened when my husband took her home. On the way home in the car, she said, Grandpa, when I haven't had a nap, I get crazy. Right. He knew that. What a wise child. He knew that. She said, I get crazy. And she did. So it's just a, a stupid little story, but it's so the same thing in the sense that they're not, we're not all built the same way. And we, and we're not, we have to learn to deal with all these other things. And she'll learn as she gets older, hopefully that, you know, some of that behavior wasn't appropriate, but anyway, so funny. Um, Okay. So the challenge that person um, taught you a lot. And so now also the second part was how leadership has changed, right? Oh boy. A lot. A lot. Let Let me tell you a story. I was just on the phone with one of my coaching clients and he's only 30. Okay. Only been working for eight years. And he said to me, Vanessa, the young people coming into the firm today are completely different. And I don't know how to motivate them and manage them because their expectations are different. Their work ethic is different. He's in a professional services firm. And it was a really interesting conversation because he's right. The workplace has changed so much in the last eight years. And it's because of the pandemic mainly, right? Uh, When he started eight years ago, he worked in a professional services firm. He would sit right in a room with the other partners and he would learn through osmosis. He would watch them. He would see what they did. He would see how they interacted with clients, right? People, and you have to think about it. People who started in the last three years started work in a pandemic in their bedrooms, in their living rooms, right? They didn't have that ability to learn through osmosis. So one of the, the one of the core things that leaders need to learn today that's so much different is number one, leading in a hybrid workplace. And number two, the way that you develop people now is completely different. I'm spending a lot of time with my clients, teaching them how to develop people in a virtual world because our hybrid world is completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And 
I saw it with actually with my daughter going, starting a new job just um, several months ago, working from home. Um, she did actually go into an office and meet with her boss and a couple of people um, a couple of times. So she goes in there once in a while, but most of the time she's completely isolated by herself and then sitting on Zoom calls, trying to learn the product line and learn all this stuff. And it's it's just not the same. It's very, very different for sure. Um, so I can see that. And and then also uh, just to sort of sideline from that, um, I, I remember talking to a couple of people who are in the um, business of the changing aspect of work, like that's their, th their how work has changed and, and how, um, I don't know if I said this to you when we spoke previously, but the word collaboration, actually, it's kind of a misnomer in the sense, or not misnomer, but a um, an oxymoron because we're all, you know, isolated in so many ways still, but that collaboration is becoming more the thing. And is, and I, would you agree with that, first of all? Oh, yeah. I mean, collaboration is always core to leadership because as a leader, you you have your job, right? So you have your own objectives and accountabilities, and you also have to get results through other people. That's your job as a leader, right? Yeah, of course. And yeah. so collaboration is always, has, has always been and will always be a part of leadership. And the way that you collaborate now is different because you can't walk over to someone's desk. Right. So me, one of the core skills that I'm really working on with the leaders that I'm working with is, is coaching, right? Because you can be a really good coach virtual in, in a virtual capacity in person over zoom. And so, um, for example, one of the, one of um, my coaching clients that I was chatting with yesterday, she was really having a problem in meetings and keeping her meetings focused. And one of the things she said to me is, you know, Vanessa, I find um, she leads a group of project managers that I have to be so patient because the first 10 minutes, all they do is complain. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, I want to be collaborative mm -hmm. and I want to give them space to vent, but to be honest, it drives me crazy. So I said, this is coaching. And one of the ways that you can coach is, um, is as you know, coming from that place of curiosity mm -hmm. and a tool that I want to share with your listeners is asking questions that start with the word, what? because what questions are very open-ended. Mm -hmm. And so the structure that I put in place, the coaching structure I put in place for her is when you start a meeting, start with these three steps. Number one, what's working on this project, everybody? Start with the positive. Mm -hmm. It immediately gets people to recognize that, you know what, there are things that are going well. Then you start, then you move to what's not working and literally type it on a whiteboard. You can do this on Zoom. You can do it virtually. Put a whiteboard, what's not working. Then go through everything of what's not working. And, and the third column would be, what can we do to overcome what's not working? Mm -hmm. so that's just an example of how we can be collaborative, right. coach people, get them to think for themselves and solve their own problems all at the same time. So leaders are having to learn tools like that mm -hmm. to build collaboration in a virtual world. That's a great, that's great. I, I think anybody, whether you're leading a team or you're a leader, you know, you're even a, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, but you have some, um, uh, contract staff that you ha have work for you every once in a while or, you know, or regularly, but you have to learn how to, how to lead them to do what you want, how you want it. And so on as well. That for me is, is, you know, 
I always thought of myself, I was a teacher uh, in my first life, and then I was a corporate trainer. And in both cases, I'm in front of the group, I'm teaching, I'm not coaching, I'm teaching, it's totally different thing. However, they're all looking to me for the answers, right? And, um, and, and I was extroverted. So I was comfortable being in that situation. As I've gotten older, I don't feel as comfortable about it as I used to. And also, um, I think my confidence around, well, I don't know if it's confidence or I just don't like to delegate. I've become really, yeah. And I think you have to be able, I think I heard that you say that in, in something I was listening to about delegating. That's one of the things you have to learn to do as a leader. If you've been listening to me for a while, you probably know that I love to talk about LinkedIn. So now I'm curious, are you ready to take your LinkedIn to the next level? Because if you are, I've got the perfect opportunity for you. As a valued podcast listener, I'm offering you a one month free trial to the LinkedIn Advantage program. It's your chance to join the community of like-minded professionals and immerse yourself in a space designed for learning, networking, and growing your business, and a lot of LinkedIn as well. Don't miss out. If you're ready to go from listener to participant, take advantage of this free trial by visiting podcastadvantage.janisporter.com today. That's podcastadvantage.janisporter.com. Join us and we'll see you in the group. Oh, for sure. And again, it's one of those skills that are critical, that is critical for leadership, but most people don't know how to do it. And the reason it's critical is delegation has so many different purposes. So one of the purposes of delegation is just for you to get things off your plate that you shouldn't be focusing your time on, right? Whenever I say, whenever I speak to leaders, I get them to write down their priorities. What are your key goals and priorities right now? And then I get them to look at their to-do list and say, okay, let's look at what's on your to-do list. Now, what's aligned with that and what's not? And what do you need to let go of? Because sometimes leaders don't delegate because they like doing something, right. but it's not, it's not their job to do it anymore. It was maybe like two jobs ago. <laughs> and so number one, you have to be willing to let go. So one of the benefits of delegation is you get to let go of stuff and get it off your plate. The second benefit is for your team because they get to learn. And one of the key motivators for people in the workplace is learning and growth. People want to learn and grow. Okay. Another benefit of delegation is succession planning. You know, if you decide to leave your organization or move to another department in your organization, you need a successor. And so you're building and developing your successor. Um, it's delegations, a retention strategy again, because people want to learn and grow. So delegation is not only for you, it's for your team as, and the organization as well. There's so many benefits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I think about people being uh, elevated to leadership roles for the first time and things like that, I think of the Peter principle. I can't help it, but you know, so often I've seen people get put into an, as I recall, the Peter principle is sort of being at the level of your incompetence, right? That you move to a level that you, that is too much for you, or you're not ready for, or you're in the wrong place. How often does that happen and how can it be avoided? Well, it happens every time someone's promoted because, okay. Because yeah. I call it new level, new devil, right? Every time you're promoted, your job actually changes. 
So I coach a lot of people who I call it transition coaching, who transition from maybe VP to SVP or director to VP or SVP to president. I have a client now who's just been promoted to the role of president within her organization. So if you think about it, when you're, when you're leading for the first time, there's actually a really interesting book called the leadership pipeline. And they talk about the six passages of leadership in the book, right? So if you're at passage one leading yourself, your job is to show up to work on time, be accountable, have ownership over your job, be really good at what you do and be a team player. The minute you move into passage two of leadership, when you're managing other people for the first time, your job's just changed. Now you're not only accountable for yourself, but for you have to get results through others. Then passage three is managing other managers. Right. Accountable for yourself. And now you have to get results through managers who have to get results through their people. So yeah, every time you move into a new level of leadership, you have to learn new skills. That's and and you have to be, learn to be more strategic. For example, that's just that's just a fact. So, I I have to ask this question because it, it with the way works changed over the years and with the um, the there's still a very small percentage of women in the top leadership positions, but it's getting a little bit better. I hope, I think, um, do you see changes in leadership with more women at the top? Do you see in, in, in not in leadership? Well, yeah, in leadership, do you see changes because women are now in those positions are in those positions? I do. Women and men are different. Yeah. We lead differently. Um, you know, women, um, do tend to work more. I mean, there's, there's actually strengths and in, in weaknesses, um, that women bring to the table. For example, a lot of women don't share their accomplishments. So on one hand, women are amazing leaders because they're incredibly compassionate, great listeners, um, really care about their people. But remember all of your strengths when you overuse them become your weaknesses. So sometimes women care too much that they don't give difficult feedback or, um, women are not trained to share their accomplishments. So you may see a woman getting promoted into passage two of leadership, but she's going to be overlooked for the next passage because there's a man who's younger than her. I see this all the time. Who's getting promoted over her because he toots his own horn all the time and shares his accomplishments. Why? Because he's, that's how, that's how he was taught as a boy. And so that's one of the things that women leaders need to know. You have to share your accomplishments. You can't think that someone's going to notice what your accomplishments are. It's your job to share them and to speak up. That's really good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, so what would you say the top three things are that it, that it takes to lead with impact? So I have a great question. I actually have a leadership model, which has three pillars. I call it the three pillars of leadership success. So the three pillars are as a leader, you have to know yourself, manage your team and lead your business. Mm -hmm. So the know yourself is self-awareness. So what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How am I overusing my strengths? So they become weaknesses. Um, what kind of environment do I create? How is that motivating and demotivating for the people on my team? How do I build trust? That's the first pillar. The second pillar, manage my team is all about how do I coach? How do I develop my team? How do I give feedback? Um, how do I move my team um, maybe from underperforming to performing or to become a high-performing team? 
And then lead your business is all about leading and managing change. Um, and in an or in, in an environment where 70% of change initiatives fail, most leaders don't know how to lead change. That has to be a priority for leaders. Um, lead your business is about executing strategically. It's about being very focused on your priorities and, and, um, managing your time effectively. So, so that's why leader, leadership is very complex, right? Because there's so many different components of leadership. And what I've tried to do in sharing these three pillars with leaders is to take that complexity of leadership and really narrow it down into those three things, those three pillars or areas. Okay. That makes total sense. So not everybody's a leader and not everybody in my estimation, not everybody has that, has the qualities to be a leader. Would you agree or not? Because you teach leadership or you coach mm -hmm. leadership. Yes. So do you ever come across um, people in leadership positions that you think they're, that they are in over their head, that that's not the right fit for them? Well, I do believe because I've seen it, everyone can be a leader. Okay. Everyone can be a leader. Um, and the two things I want to see are skill and will. Number one, you can learn leadership skills. Okay, fair enough. So many leaders are horrible leaders because it's, and it's quite frankly, it's not their fault. Yeah, they haven't had the, the they didn't, haven't been given the tools. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know that, oh, it's my job to coach and develop people mm -hmm. and give feedback and, oh, oh. And then they, they just learned from some other bad leader that they had who wasn't doing it properly anyways. Yeah. So part of it is skill. The other part is, well, do I like it? Do I want to do this? I've had people who were promoted into leadership roles and they've said to me, you know, Vanessa, I don't like it. I want to be an individual contributor. And they've gone back to doing that. And I've had people who've said, now that I have the skill, the will is now there. Mm -hmm. It can go both ways. Yeah, I think, I guess you're right. I, I, I remember um, wanting to, looking at, um, somebody I know that was in a, a teaching situation and, uh, and thinking about going into administration, which is a completely different thing and got a chance to test it. And it felt it wasn't for him because it was too far removed from the kids. So, you know, not to say, I guess that he couldn't have learned the skills that he needed, but did he want to? Yeah. yeah the other thing that, that leaders have to understand is for all of us, there's a way to lead authentically. And you have to discover, that's part of that first pillar of knowing yourself. You have to discover what it looks like for you to lead authentically. And I think a lot of people have this model of leadership as an extrovert, being an extrovert. You're walking the halls and you're connecting with people and you're shouting out to people. No, but I've worked with many. And I think that's why the book Quiet by Susan Cain was so popular because she said, no, you know, and, and, and in terms of, definitions, extroverts get their energy from others, introverts get their energy from themselves. It's not how friendly or outgoing you are at all. And so I work with a lot of introverted leaders to say, okay, it's not going to feel authentic for you to lead in the same way someone who's highly motivating and extroverted would lead. So let's talk about what it looks like. You're an amazing listener. How can you really dial up your listening? Mm -hmm. You are really good at creating structure for people. How can we leverage that, right? And so every leader comes with their strengths and that's where you need to lead from. Okay, so 
I jumped right in at the beginning. So now I just want to back up for a second and say, okay, how did you get to this? How did you see that this was your, um, your uh, secret sauce that you, this was your um, piece that you needed to teach others or coach others, how to be great leaders. How did you go from being in the trenches, so to speak, and climbing that ladder to now working for yourself and teaching others? So like you, I, I went to, when I was at McGill university in Montreal, I was an English major and my mom said, what are you going to do with an English degree? She was a teacher. She said, go to teacher's college. So I spent an extra year. I became a teacher. Um, I worked with at-risk youth after getting a few binders thrown at my head. I thought, oh, you know, I don't think this is for me. And I got an amazing job at a training and consulting firm. And I worked there for 10 years. And in that organization, I worked with global uh, companies, um, I had business development role. I had a junior consulting and a senior consulting role. Then I moved in house. I thought enough of consulting. I have to be a leader myself moved in house. And that's where I was in the trenches. And I built teams. I inherited teams that were low performing. I built high performing teams. I worked with people who, as I mentioned, who love my leadership style, who didn't. And that was the best experience. And after doing that for many years, I thought, okay, now I'm ready to go out on my own. And what led me to being a leadership consultant and coach was actually, I mean, I always love working with leaders because I feel like leaders really set the tone in an organization. Mm -hmm. And if you can work on a leader to develop their skills and confidence, it has just tremendous ripple effects mm -hmm. across their lives, across their team's lives, even their home lives, right? And when I was on my second maternity leave, I actually had the experience of having a horrendous leader who made my life so miserable. And um, she was a very, what I call unconscious leader. She had no understanding of how her behavior impacted the people around her. She was very harsh, overly direct, very controlling, really quite nasty. Mm -hmm. And when I had that experience, that really solidified my passion for leadership because I really didn't want anyone to go through the experience that I had of, of really like it was quite soul sucking having that kind of soul sucking leader. Yeah. I, that was my very first principle when I taught school was that person. Wow. Yeah. And I, I'm amazed I went beyond it, but I got out of there very quickly to another school because he was just killing it for me. And uh, he eventually got asked to retire early, but that's about all they did in the school system. But, um, but yes, that was an experience at 21 that I, I didn't know what to do with at the time, but you never forget those things, right? You just don't, they, they stay with you and, you know, you, the negative that, you know, that had such effect on you at the time. Um, but then again, I'm thinking what you just said about, um, uh, the good leaders, the positive leaders, the people you say, oh, I just loved working for them. They were just amazing. You know, he was taught me a lot or she taught me a lot. That's great. Um, so um, I know that you work with a lot of, um, well, organizations like you've worked with Campbell Soup, the United Nations, some really interesting um, organizations. And there's one now I wanna ask you about because I know it's a client of yours now and um, because it's a huge um, thing right now and that's HelloFresh, mm -hmm. right? And I don't use HelloFresh, but I do use one of those food companies on occasion. And, um, and what makes 
what I know they're a good one. And it's obviously one because of the food. And so two, it must be the leadership. So tell me about what makes them a good company, how you've helped them. So um, I work with HelloFresh Canada. It's a global organization. First of all, their president is incredible. His name is Ian Brooks. He is um, one of those leaders who is incredibly personable, incredibly strategic, um, very smart, very people-oriented. He has that balance between task orientation and, and relationship orientation. So I always find in organizations like that, the le leaders set the tone. So here you have this leader at the top who sets the tone. Now, is he the top of Canada or the top? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yes. He's the top of Canada. And he values his people. So that's why he hired me because he said, I know that leadership is a learned skill. I really value my people and I want everybody across the organization. And I've been working them for three or four years. Mm -hmm. He said, I want everyone across the organization to know I value them, to know I care about them and to know that I'm investing in them. And they just hire really great people and invest in their people. And now I, I run, you know, maybe two cohorts of a year, about 20 leaders. And so there's hundreds of people in the organization now who are knowledgeable, who know how to lead, who understand their strengths and weaknesses, who know what it takes to build high trust, who know how to develop their people. And so it's really created this ripple effect of a culture of learning and growth and a very um, and that's one thing that Ian has is a very growth mindset. He really understands that nothing's set in stone mm -hmm. that, um, you know, people really need to be given the opportunity to learn and grow and develop. That's special. That's really special. Very special. Very special. Yeah. I love that. So, um, as we wind down, I want to ask you a couple of questions just for fun, because I like to dig in a little bit with my, with my guests. The first one is, are you, do you go to a book book? Do you read? Do you do hmm. audible? Do you do video? Do you do TV like movies? Like what, what's your first thing that you love to do? I, I do it all. I'm okay. obsessed with podcasts. I love to read. I mean, I was an English major in university. So if you saw the stack of books beside my bedside table, I love to read. Um, I use like, there too, but I don't read them. That's the problem. Yes. It's fun to buy books. Yes, uh, yeah. Maybe through osmosis, if you look at them, right, they'll go into your brain. Um, I like to balance um, business books with, with um, fiction. And so right now I'm reading the book Soundtracks by John Acuff. Okay. And it's an amazing book because it's about mindset. And so he mm -hmm. talks, even the, the name soundtracks is so good. Mm -hmm. because basically what he says in the book is that we all have soundtracks in our mind, just like, you know, on your, on your, on your iPod, yeah. um, on your iPad, you've got a soundtrack, um, Spotify, you've got your soundtracks in your brain, you have a soundtrack too. And so what he teaches people is to notice what your soundtrack is. Most of the time it's negative. Yes. And so how do you change your soundtrack? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's an, I really recommend the book. It's an excellent soundtracks. Okay. That sounds really cool. Um, so yes, I bought a novel not long ago. Cause I thought this, I'd seen someone on 60 minutes or CBS Sunday morning and I, that the author, and I thought it looked really interesting. And I think it's called uh, chemistry lessons or something like that anyway, but now I'm doomed because I've read like three pages and it's now on uh, um, uh, a, uh, um, 
uh, Apple TV. It's a, it's an eight part series or something like that on Apple TV. So now I'm doomed because I'm going to have to watch that and I'll never read the book because I'll never get the book read fast enough before it's gone. So I know crazy. It's an interesting story about a woman in the fifties and she was a chemistry teacher. And I think it moves into, you know, um, maybe she does a TV show or something. I don't know. It's, I haven't read it obviously, but, um, it looked interesting. And, uh, Brie Larson is playing the character and it's, you know, it'll be a period piece in the fifties. And I kind of like that. So, um, yes, but I mostly read more, um, business books and things like that as well. But, um, okay. So, uh, you said you do the, you do it all. Do you do TV and like, are you a, a Netflix kind of person or do you watch, um, uh, fiction on, on there? Or are you watching? I like fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I like fiction. I like to have a break from like my brain needs a break. You know, I've got teenage boys and, uh, basketball practice and meals that they consume that need to be prepared. I don't know why children constantly need to eat, but that's another story. Three meals a day seems like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I like to have my chill time and watch a Netflix. I'm glad to hear that. All right. And um, last question is, um, well, second to last, I'm lying. Last, second to last. Um, my favorite word is curiosity. And my question for you is two part. One, um, do you believe that curiosity is innate or learned? And second part, what are you most curious about these days? So curiosity is an important part of coaching. And curiosity is something that I teach clients all the time. Mm. I do find that when I do, I often do um, the DISC profile with people, which is a, a tool that um, assesses their work style. Some work styles, some people are naturally more curious. Um, and there's tools like Edward de Bono. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Edward de Bono. He mm -hmm. does thinking hats and lateral thinking tools, yeah. and he teaches people how to be more curious by leveraging tools. So I do think some people are innately more curious and I believe it's a skill you can develop. Cool. Um, what am I curious about these days? I mean, from the, from the perspective of leadership, I'm curious how really around um, the impact of the pandemic and the people not being in the office together. I'm super curious about what the impact of that is going to be in a year or two from now, when we've had so many people, um, you know, who are 20, 21, 22, 23, who've started the work, their own work experience from home. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just super curious to see how that's going to translate into the change of corporate culture and how we need to develop people. And yeah, that's think, what I'm really curious about. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It, it will be really interesting and hopefully it'll be positive, but we won't know for a couple of years yet. Right. Um, so last question, uh, as a leadership coach and um, someone who uh, has been in the trenches and has been teaching, has been coaching in this leadership field for a long time. What would your best piece of wisdom be for my audience who really mostly are small business owners, entrepreneurs, not so much corporate, but leadership is so important still in, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say be prepared. Hmm. A lot of leaders wing things and um, I would say wing it less and be prepared more. A couple of examples would be come to your meetings with agendas. 
Hmm. Um, when you need to give feedback, write it down, think about it in advance. When you're onboarding someone, have a plan to onboard them. When you wake up in the morning, do your to-do list. I mean, these are just really simple things that if you do them, if you, you know, um, when you think about time management, time management is not actually time management because nobody can stop the clock. It's self-management. Mm. It's how I manage myself in relation to the time that I have. And so that's why I think being prepared is so critical for leadership, whether you're leading a huge team or a small team. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And I think I have all your um, info where people can find you, mosaicpd.com. Yes. And yes. Your- it's Mosaic People Development. So you can go into Google and type in Mosaic People Development or mosaicpd.com. That works too. Perfect. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you to my audience again for listening. If you like what you heard, please go and um, seek out uh, Vanessa's work in on her website and on LinkedIn, of course. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thanks for joining us. If today's show inspired you to make a new connection, why not start with me? Head over to LinkedIn and connect with me. Be sure to let me know you are a podcast listener because I select one listener each month who connects with me on LinkedIn for a complimentary profile audit. And you know I love to meet new people, so I hope you take me up on it. Don't forget to stay connected and be remembered.